You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning. Good morning. It is great to be here this morning. My name is Kenny Izuchuku, and we have been embarking on a series, which I'll get to in a moment. But if you are watching online, welcome. We are so glad to have you here. We're so thankful that you've been able to tune in with us. And if you're here in person, also welcome. It's been kind of interesting trying to look at you guys who are here and also looking at the camera. Remember that most of our viewers are actually there. But you guys are in. Yeah, You see what I'm saying? So I'm, I've gotten a lot of feedback on that. Don't worry, I'm engaged. I'm going to look at you guys a lot more today. And if we could take a quick second for those of you sitting in your couches, on your um, in your rooms, wherever you're at, if you could just hit the share button, which is kind of that curved arrow, and share this service with one of your friends. And they might be sitting at home doing absolutely nothing, waiting for something exciting to happen. Uh, so just share it and see what God can do with that. You just never know. But it's great to have you tune in. And for those of you who are here, uh, I have started the keynote live already. I hope, hopefully you got the link. Last week it didn't work. We had a lesson on the unexpected, and that was definitely unexpected. But I'm hoping it works. And you guys just give me a thumbs up if you feel like it's working. It's good. That's good. You should see a slide. It should say part three. Um, live within. Yeah? Okay. We're good. We're good. If you didn't get it, then ask your neighbor next to you to send you the link, and then you guys can get the slides. Because I can't exit out of my phone and do that. It gets really complicated. So great to have you all here. We've been embarking on this sermon series called In All Things, and we've been diving into the letter of Philippians, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and he's trying to help them understand how grateful he is for their love and their kindness, and he's in prison. He's in chains for Christ, and he's, he makes it very clear that this is where he's at, but he has no shame. Which is interesting because in this time, in this culture, being in prison was extremely shameful. Yet, Paul has no shame. And it's because he has this mindset that he's in all things, which you get from Romans 8, verse 23, or 28. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And when Paul says all things, he meant the good, the bad, the mediocre, any adjective you want to put, and think through and put before the word things, that's what he's talking about. And I kept posing the idea that maybe sometimes as Christians, we'd only believe that to a certain point. And we'll say in some things God can work. But that's not what Paul was preaching. And in part one, we talked about who do you love? You guys remember I asked a question, I cried, I sang two things I never do at the same time usually, but I did it all. And the idea was that we could learn about this agape love which is this Christ-sacrificial love for us, which then he embodies and exemplifies so that we are inspired to do the same thing for others. And I left you guys with this thought, to love God wholeheartedly is to trust in his wholehearted love for me. To love God wholeheartedly is to trust in his wholehearted love for me. You can't love God if you don't know that he loves you because he Loved us first. That's where we got the understanding of love. And then in part two, we talked about expect the unexpected. And how oftentimes we can be so 
focus on these expectations that we keep hidden from the world and what we believe for God and for others and even for ourselves that we know that we fall short in, then we lose our faith. And I said that the one of the biggest destroyers of faith is an unmet expectation. You guys remember this, yeah? If you were here, you remember that. And I, I saw some of you guys, like, I can't see your faces, but I see your eyes. You're like, oof. It's so true. But we learn that Paul is confident, even though he doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what he's going to expect. But he accepts his circumstances. When things were at their worst, Paul's attitude was at his best. Today, we are going to talk about living within tension. And we need to have the other ideas set, because the core of all of this comes from that love. And then we have to go out and say, I don't know what God's going to do, but I know He's working. I expect the unexpected. So once we get that down, now we can start to understand what it looks like to live within tension. I have a question for you. What's something that makes you feel tense? What's something, I haven't been looking at you, I'm sorry. What's something that makes you feel tense? Please comment on that, and we'll we'll read your comments shortly. But people who are here, what we're going to do is we have a camera guy. He's going to come around, and if you want to share, it could be one word, it could be one phrase, it could be a sentence, it could be whatever. But we're, he's gonna he's gonna come around. He's gonna say so the so the people remember we're trying to we're focusing on you guys so you guys will get to see what people share. So what makes you feel tense? And you know hopefully someone will actually want to share. Oh Brandon Wong, good to have you share. So Brandon Wong, it's crazy his hand just went up and I didn't even see it. But he'll share something that makes him feel tense. That made him feel tense. <laughs> That's that's good stuff there. Okay, they're getting the lapel and everything ready. And then in the meantime, maybe uh, you guys can... All right, I so I think um, in general, I usually have some sort of bearing on like one of three things. What I should do, what I need to do, and um, what I want to do. But I feel like there I've been encountering a number of situations in the last few weeks where I just have no bearing in any of these three things, and it just makes me feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and so I think that's definitely one of the tensions I've been experiencing in the last few weeks. Um, and I think it's been really good in reminding me that I don't need to know any of those things in order to be able to, um, trust God. Awesome. All right. Who else wants to do? What's one thing? That was actually a really deep answer. That's amazing. I'm not surprised though. It's Brandon. Um, anyone else wants to share? What makes you feel? Don't worry. I'm going to share what makes me feel tense. You'll go get there. All right. We have one over here. Get the... His name is Alec Hor- You know, he's not just a camera guy. He has a name. His name's Alec. But uh, he's coming over. So, okay. Well, camera guy it is then. So what makes you feel tense? Okay, what makes me feel tense is when um, I'm in a disagreement with my, my son or with my husband. Um, I like to always have a good relationship with them. So whenever my son, I have two boys, Matthew and Kevin. Matthew's the oldest. Kevin's my baby. And Kevin, I, I said baby, but he's a grown man. So, <laughs> but to me, he's my baby. So whenever we have issues, I feel tense about that. Or if I have a disagreement with my husband, which is my honey, I feel tense about that. All right. Thank you for sharing vulnerably. All right. Let's get one more person. Maybe on this side. You got the, 
the Yo Pro, some Canvas students, and there it gets. Maybe on this side, what makes you feel tense? Oh, Josh Strutter, wow, look at his hand, oh, that's awesome. Josh, what makes you, uh, crazy how I just can't see that far. So we got, we got Josh over there. Dressed, he's dressed nicely as usual. Alright, we're gonna have, <laughs> Uh, living in LA. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, um, future. I always think like two, three years ahead, and I can't live in the moment. So I always am feeling tense because I'm like, what do I have to do to get to this point in like two years, three years, something like that. So okay, okay. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> uh, so we, I can relate to that. Um, many of you guys know. Maybe some of you do, some of you don't, but I've been in this uh, master's program for the last three years, and this this past, the last three weeks, which is half, I just so happened to be preaching these past three weeks, but I've been in my final comprehensive exam, defending my my uh, thesis, basically, and I had my, my, I had a panel of professors, professors who I've been learning from the last three years, and they all sat, all, it was on Zoom, they're sitting in their own offices on Zoom, and then they're asking me questions about everything I've ever learned in the last three years. And based on their approval, that would say I get the degree or not. It doesn't matter. All the work I've done was just to prepare me for that moment. And I remember sitting there. I remember answering a question. I was like, oh, I don't know if I answered that right. And then what they do is they, they take you out and they put you in a waiting room after you're done. And they're like, we're going to torture you for about like 20 minutes and we'll let you know what we decide. So I'm in this waiting room, and I'm, like, trying to find videos to distract myself. And then they they call me back into the room that we're having the meeting in. And they're both, they weren't smiling. They are both, like, they're both stern. And then one professor looks down, and he's like, Dr. Darty, how about you tell him what happened? And then Dr. Darty, and he's one of the most, like, intense professors, like, hard to get an A in that class kind of guy, you know? And I'm just like, oh, gosh, here we go, in my head, in my heart. I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. But I played it cool because, you know, they're my professors. And then he says, Kenny, I want to, I want to let you know that we love you and you have passed your Masters of Divinity. It was incredible. I started crying in front of my professors. And I'm like, guys, can we just, can we just pray? <laughs> and they're like, sure, let's pray. But the, it was one of the best feelings because after so long, all that tension was built up in me. And I'm like, is this going to happen? Can I do this? We all have tension in our lives, whether we want to accept it or not. But before we can live with intention, we must learn to live with intention. Before we can learn to live with intention, we must learn to live with intention. You guys see what I did there? Nice little play on words, right? Can I get some credit for that? Thought number one. Live with intention. Let's turn our Bibles over to Philippians 1. We're going to continue reading this letter that Paul writes as we dive in. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am Put here for the defense of the gospel, the former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. 
But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Incredible passage. So inspiring. When I read this, I'm just like, dang, how did you do this, Paul? How did you have this mindset? And it reminded me of this quote that I read in this book called Soul Feast. We have become masters in the art of distracting ourselves from life's death. If we hope to penetrate the riches of our interiority, we will need a strong intention to resist the clamoring demands of instant communication. Isn't that true? The other day I was thinking, what, can I go three hours without checking my phone or wanting to use my phone? Not, not like when I'm sleeping, I'm like during the day. Can I go three hours? And it was so hard for me. I'm like, what, what if this person texts me? And what if they're in trouble? Or what if I get a message on Instagram and I have to respond? Or what if this... I was clamoring. I was overwhelmed with all the communication. And, and I did it. And I remember after a three-hour period, no one had messaged me, no emails. And I'm like, I was worried that something could happen that never even happened. Because that is kind of what life has become. We're inundated, we're overwhelmed, we're living in this tension. And it can distract us from what we really need to be focusing on. And Paul, he didn't allow that to happen to him. Now, I know, he didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have Instagram, he didn't have Snapchat, he didn't have all the things that we have. But he was in jail. He had his thoughts. You know those things that we used to be able to, be able to think about? Before we get distracted by so many, so many other people, other people's thoughts, he had his mind, he had his feelings constantly. But he's in this jail, and he's finding a way to focus on turning out for his deliverance. Verse nineteen. Last week, you guys should know this passage. We read it last week, but I didn't focus on this verse. I missed it. Juan did such an incredible job. I'm like, we just got to do this next week. But we're here. And he says, I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What? You know what's funny? I did my, I did some research. You guys know me. I like, to, you know, I'm a nerd when it comes to, to the Bible and trying to find things out. I'm like, I wonder, maybe this might have been said somewhere else. Sure enough, I found that this word, the root is salvation. The Greek word, soteria. This instant is translated to delivered. In most instances, it's translated as salvation. And I thought maybe the phrase could be used in another part of the Bible, and it's used one other part of the Bible. You'll never, you never guess this. I, I think Paul quoted this, but that's just my opinion. You can check the scholars. I'm not a scholar. I got my master's. Maybe, maybe I need a doctor. I don't know. We'll see. But you can check to see. But this is what I learned. 
Do you guys notice any similarities between these two verses? I bolded and underlined it in case you didn't, you know, you didn't see it. But I think Paul cites Job. You guys remember the book of Job? Some people are like, I've never heard of that. It's okay. I'm going to tell you today what the book of Job is all about. But it's incredible here because he literally says the same phrase in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. All right? Because the Old Testament was not written in Greek originally. Its origins is what? Hebrew. Jewish people read and wrote Hebrew. But in the 3rd century B.C., they're like, you know what? We need to, because, you know, it's a Hellenistic world, right? Alexander the Great came in, all that stuff. We need to probably translate the Greek, because some people, some of our Jewish people are growing up not knowing Hebrew. Because the predominant language is Greek. So they translated the Bible, the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the Torah, into Greek to help continue understanding and learning about the Old Testament. And it was translated like this. Tuto moi apobesatai ice soterion. The direct translation is, this for me will turn into salvation. This for me will turn into salvation. And I think what Paul is trying to say here is that you remember that guy Job. I think he's mindful of that. I think he would have known. Remember the day that the fire came down from heaven and burned up all his sheep and his servants? You remember that? Remember when all his sons and daughters were sitting and having a nice meal? And then this crazy wind came and it struck the house and then the walls fell in on them and killed them all? Remember that? Remember when Satan came and he afflicted him with sores on his body? The pain and the suffering? Do you remember that? Then his wife comes and says, You should curse God and die! Remember that? And then, oh, it's not over. Let's get his best friends. He's like, I can't talk to my wife. Let me go talk to my wife. His best friends come, and they're just like, you've done something wrong. You need to repent. Job's like, I've done nothing wrong. I've been faithful to the Lord. I love Job's response. 1 verse 22 says, In all this Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. You guys remember what I said? The first place I go to blame is who? The man upstairs. When anything troubling happens, he's the first one on the chopping block. But Job, he didn't do that. And Paul is referencing him. What about his wife? He responded to his wife this way. And I'm like, dang, I don't know anything about marriage, but... Verse 10. You are talking like a foolish woman. Husbands, you know you don't say that, right? You, or maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe you do, and that's something that I will learn someday. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? He's like, let me explain, honey. And in all this, in all this, in all this, Job did not sin in what he said. (laughs) So Paul, in one verse, verse 19, he's saying, this will turn up for my salvation. 
he's, he's writing this letter to Philippians, and I think he was mindful of Job, and he's trying to get them to understand, I've got faith like Job. I've got that Job faith. When all things look terrible, I believe. When everything's going against me, I believe. And because I believe, I achieve with God. In other words, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know who I belong to. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know who I belong to. (laughs) It's so incredible. I wish I could feel that all the time. I wish I could believe that all the time, but I don't. What about you? What keeps you from having this kind of faith? Do you have that Job faith? Do you even want it? Do you guys want it? Do you want it? We've got to live with intention. Where we know that before all else, we're going to trust and love God no matter what happens. That is the starting point. It's a process But you have to ask yourself, do you want that? And if you want it, God is there with you. Can I get an amen? And you might be thinking, Kenny, this is so hard. It just ain't working for me. Well, maybe this next thought can help. We got to live within tension. We got to live within tension. Let's keep reading. Philippians 1 verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I repeat, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two desires. I desire to be to, de- to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Wow. Paul lived within tension. He wasn't going to let people put him to shame for, for exalting Christ. He flips this logic of honor and shame and says, you know what, guys? I'm the most shameful, dirty person right now. But I'm also the most grateful and happy person. He basically says that if he dies, then he gets to live with Christ. And if he lives, then he gets to live for Christ. In short, Paul's tension was this. I can be with Jesus, or I can be like Jesus. That's it. I can be with Jesus, or I can be like Jesus. Anyone have, has anyone seen Tug of War before? Anyone? 
played tug of war? Anyone done that before? Yeah, it's kind of becoming archaic now. I feel like little kids are just on their video games all the time. They don't they don't do these things. But tug of war is one of those activities. I'm not sure if it's quite a sport where you're pulling back and forth, and there's clearly tension involved. Right? Can we agree on that? Can we agree? There's clearly tension involved when you're playing tug of war. And it's funny when I see little kids play tug of war. It's it's really cute. Because they're almost like not really understanding that there's tension, you know? They're there, and it's kind of like this kid. You see that white kid right there? Boom. His face, it's just like he's having too much fun in something that's supposed to be very difficult. He's having way too much fun because for them it's like it's easy. We'll play. If we don't, if we don't, if we're not having a good time, we'll just sit down, get some cookies, eat some Kool-Aid. It's just supposed to be for fun. You know, I think about my faith and my tension. And most of my tension comes from this idea that I don't know if the world is all it's supposed to be. I can get very discontent sometimes. And I'm living in this world and I'm like, what? I just, I'd rather be with God. What's the point of being here? There's mean people. There are annoying people. I have all this stress from school and activities like, God, just take me now, you know? So that's my, that's mostly my tension. It's like, I just, I should just be with God right now. I don't need to be here. That was not Paul's tension. That was not his focus. His focus was on, I'm here for people? To help them understand who Christ is. And I could be with you. I could go right now. There are plenty of times where he could have been killed. But he's like, no, I'm going to keep fighting. Because it's better for me to be here for the sake of other people. What? I'm like, God, take me now, right? He's like, no. I need to be here. So little kid tug of war can be a little bit like that. The tension is different from what Paul is going through. But what about big boy tug of war? So I'm going to have a demo here. We're going to have two campus students come up. Uh, Kendall Horn and Andres Mosqueda. Yeah, clap for them. Clap for them. And hopefully get the camera situated. And they're going to compete here in a little game of tug of war. Now, they did not practice. I asked them to do this last night, so I have no idea how this is going to go. But we're going to see what happens here. So um, we'll get the lapel. So let's give them some, let's give them some love. Let's give them a round. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Sounds good. All right. So let's make sure this is center. Hold on a second. We've got to do the rules, tug of war rules here. I'm going to move over a little bit just there. All right. Okay. So remember, the goal of tug of war is to get this red thing here past your cone. All right? Your own side. Once you do that, you win. That's it. So you're pulling as hard as you can. You're just trying to get it past, right? So let's see, let's see who wins here. Now, we might do a few rounds because who, who knows? It's like, let's, let's check and see. Uh, okay, pretty good biceps. Um, maybe not as much there, but it's okay. Hey, 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 stay, stay stationed. Stay stationed. All right, ready? Three. Hey, you're not, you, you can't pull. You're going to wait. Three. 
Wait, who do you guys think is going to win? I'm just curious. Who do you guys think? Who do you guys think? Just, yeah, just kidding. No, it's not a competition. Not a competition. Not a competition. Or in the comments. You can write in the comments on YouTube. We don't know yet. Three, two, one, go. Oh, wow. 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 Kendall! All right. So let's put that down. We don't need to keep going. Um, unless you want a round two. Do you want a round two? Okay, switch sides, switch sides. Make this quick, make this quick. Hey, they wanted it. I didn't... <laughs> you guys want to play? You guys want to play? All right, you guys want to come on? Right now? All right, let's do it. Let's let the... Expect the unexpected. All right, so come on up. And you need to grab the back here. So now... You go, okay, so you go in the back. All right, we got... These are our campus students here. I love them, we love them. All right, now we've got, it's not just one-on-one, it's two-on-two. Uh, hold on, i got to check to make sure it's in the middle. There you go. Uh, come over a little bit. you got to move back, Andres. you got to move back. Yeah. Okay, ready? Hey, move over a little bit more. I know, I know you lost last time, but let's not cheat. Okay, ready? Three. <laughs> You're going to stand like that, Brandon, really? <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Oh, oh. Oh, is Kendall going to win again? Oh, all right, all right. Okay, let's give this team a round of applause. Nice job. All right, guys, come over here real quick. Come over here. So make sure you're still six feet away. Um, not, not, that's too far. Uh, so how did you feel? How did that feel for you? Uh, a little tiring. Tiring? All right, how did it feel for you, Brandon? All right, you got you to talk into the... I was just getting carried by Kendall. That, oh. That was it. He's just getting carried by Kendall. Okay, how did that feel for you, Andres? It was pretty difficult. <laughs> pretty difficult? All right. How'd that feel for you, Juan? I'm tired and sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, just give him a round again. Can you guys take this back there? Thanks. All righty. So, what's the point? Why do we do that? Except for the, just the fun to see that. It's been a while. Paul was trying to communicate a, a very simple point. I'm... He says, I'm torn. I'm torn. And sometimes we don't understand really how deep that was for his heart. But you've got to understand. It's like tug of war. You're, pulling, you're torn. You're trying to figure out, what am I doing? Like, I could be with Jesus or I could be like Jesus. I'm torn. But what do we often do as Christians? You know, I, I hate tug of war. That's why I wasn't in there competing. I hate it. I hate it because I can't get hand burns, I get tired, it's sunny, it's sweaty, I fall on the ground, and all I want to do is just saying, no, my back, my knee hurts, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think sometimes we're in this battle, sometimes we're in this fight, and we check out. We're like little kids. There's this tension that we all know exists, but we decide to say, no, I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to stop fighting. We get hurt by other people in the church. And we're like, I'm not going to talk to them. And then we mask this over time. And we'll say we're becoming more mature. Because we're not dealing with the tension. We're above that. We're better than that. We're greater than that. You know, one of the biggest tensions right now is between the older generation, excuse me, the more, the more seasoned veterans, and the younger generation. I see it every single day in the church. 
We've got the seasoned veterans who've paid their dues, who've, who've done everything when they're in college or when they're young professionals. And now they're kind of like, you guys, the younger generation, needs to do something. Show us something. And then we have the younger generation who's like, you guys just don't understand us. We're trying, but we feel like we're just following in your shadow. And it leads to so much tension within the church, and I think Satan is so excited about it. He's so happy about that. He's like, this is, a, this is great. This is like tug of war, like little kids. They're just going to give up. They're going to get burnt out. So Paul is saying, guys, no, that is not the right battle. That's not the tension. The tension is you get to have a relationship with God. You get to be with Jesus on earth. Oh, my goodness. And when that ends, guess what? You get to be with him in heaven. And imagine if that was all your mindset all the time. There'd be so much less fighting. So many less problems because we're being humble. We're saying, what is up? How can I serve you? How can I help you? Because I know you're in the tension just like I'm in tension. I know you're in the battle just like I'm in the battle. And I know that that's what Jesus would do. How do we know this? This isn't just Paul. Some of you biblical scholars are like, oh, it's just Paul talking. I don't have to listen to him. You know where Paul gets this from? Matthew 20. Verse 25 says this, and we'll close here. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. i got to say that again. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You know, a lot of the fighting I see between the older generation and younger generation is, it's just pride, guys. Let's be honest. Just pride. Yes, I get it. A lot of the young people, you're hurt. Church hasn't been the way that you thought it was going to be. I totally understand. I feel that way too. But what did Jesus do? He continued to serve. And the older generation, I I get it. You're like, these guys are just complaining all the time and it's so overwhelming. Like, can they just chill? We grew up in a different time, different culture. Do they even understand us? Don't tune them out. Listen. We can work together. We can serve each other. And this is what Jesus exemplifies on the cross. He had every opportunity to get out of the situation, to give up, to tap out. But he said, you know what? You guys have, cre- have committed one of the worst crimes in the world, and that is detaching yourselves from me. So you know what? I'm not just going to be an ally. I'm going to be an accomplice. And I'm going down with you. And I'm going to die on the cross and take and bear all your sin because I am living within the tension and I want you to know that I love you. That you can expect the unexpected. And that I'm going to be here with you forever. I'm going to serve you 
forever. That's who we follow. That's our leader. That is the head of the church. What are we doing, guys? If we're not following Jesus, who are we following? The gospel brings good news. Where you can live in a world where you don't have everything figured out. We don't have all the answers. We don't even have all the tools. But we have one man who did everything for us. So that we can say, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I know who I belong to. So questions to discuss or questions to think through. One. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Are you convinced that your life on earth is not meant solely for you, but for the betterment of others? Are you convinced that your life is not on earth is not meant solely for you, but for the benefit of others? You guys got that? And then the next slide is, uh, or not the next slide, the next, the action steps are threefold. One, I want you guys to continue reading the book of Philippians. We only, we only actually covered maybe ten verses in the last three weeks, right? Hopefully you noticed that, but there's so much more there. So let's finish out this chapter one, and that's verses 27 to 30. And I'll send out slides later so you guys will have it. So I know some of you guys aren't even taking notes. It's fine. <laughs> and then two, I want you to think about the question I just asked and talk about it. Explain why. Why or why not? Are you convinced that your life on earth is not meant solely for you, but for the betterment of others? And just ask that. Ask that question. Have a conversation. Explain it. Let's get deep with it. And then lastly, action step or the actual action would be go meet someone new this week and serve them in something they need. Meet someone new and serve them in something they need. And if they question why, like what are your intentions, tell them whom you serve. Just try that. Just try it. You're like, it's Zoom. I don't know if I can meet someone. Come on. We know that we can all go talk to someone in the street randomly. We can do this. So let's go out, meet someone new, and serve them in something they need, which probably will mean you asking, what do you need? And if they ask you, why are you doing this? Like, what's the... Tell them whom you serve and why you serve Jesus. Love you guys. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.